Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for August 16th, 2023. An update on the consumer, back to school edition. It's back to school time for families across the country. And not only does this mean the return of homework and driving safely in the school zones, but there's also several expenses for households. How are back to school costs shaping up this year? And how does this fit in within the broader spending narrative for consumers in the third quarter? This is Brian Kirk, and I'm glad to be joined by our resident economics teachers, Nationwide's chief economist, Kathy Boschancic, and senior economist, Ben Ayers. Kathy, before we jump into the topic of back to school, let's begin with a broader context for consumer activity. We just received retail sales for July, which showed continued solid spending by households, especially on services. What's keeping spending so buoyant? Well, thank you, Brian. The consumer has been incredibly resilient. And as of late, we've actually seen consumer spending accelerate as we exited the second quarter and, and move into the third quarter. So much so that we're looking at real consumer spending that's probably going to boost real GDP growth to be you know, above 4%. You can't even rule out a 5% growth rate. And what we're seeing is really spending, it's broad base. Yes, certainly service expenditure um, still remains quite buoyant as a consumer catches up on the service spending that it missed during COVID or, you know, even with the reopening, there was a lagging of service expenditures relative to goods. But even in the goods sector, we're seeing uh, strong spending. And some of that uh, we, we will talk about on, on back to school and online sales. So, but it, but in general, what we're, we're seeing maybe could characterize like it's good that that the economy and the consumers um, doing so well, and it's great to see the resilience. But there comes a point where maybe it, it's too good, and it could prompt the Federal Reserve to to tighten policy even further. Just to put it in big picture um, framework, uh, the Federal Reserve thinks that they need to cool the economy down to below its long-run potential, and the long-run potential growth rate is, is 1.8. So if we're coming in with a 4% handle in, in the third quarter, that's you know, more than double uh, the underlying potential growth rate of the economy. And it's also important to keep in mind that throughout the year, we've been accelerating GDP growth in the first quarter is 2%, second quarter 24 So really, that does harken back, though, to the labor market. Indeed, you know, consumers have used are relying more on credit cards, and we see the strains from higher interest rates and inflation. But it's really been the labor market that remains very strong, and that provides the income for for consumers to go out and spend. Um, so while we don't necessarily like the idea of of seeing an increase in the unemployment rate when it's sitting at three point five, and the long run neutral rate is four percent. That means we're, we're really strained on our resources. And what that means is it can be more difficult for the Federal Reserve to lower the pace of inflation. Inflation has come down in a very nice fashion so far. But unless our economic models are, are broken and the traditional models no longer hold true, when you have such tightness in the labor market, strong economy, it tends to throw off inflationary pressure. So the concern here would be that you know, the Fed has to do more, raise rates more, which could eventually impact the, the consumer in a more negative way. Well, thanks, Kathy. Appreciate that. Now, Ben, let's focus on back-to-school spending since we're getting close to that. You know, this can be a pretty expensive time for many families as they prepare for these days. 
you know, in inflation, we do see some improvements there, but still running pretty hot and has been running hot for a long time. So are parents and teachers paying higher costs now for these items? What are, what are you hearing? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, in line with what you just talked about, we are still seeing costs going up across many items. And, you know, back to school expenses are not immune to that. Uh, the National Retail Federation projects a record $41.5 billion in back to school spending this year up from about $37 billion last year. That's a lot of clothes, that's a lot of shoes, and a lot of pencils and, and calculators. So families with children elementary through high school plan to spend about an average of almost $900 on back-to-school expenses this year. It's a new record high. And unfortunately, if you have a kid in college, it's even higher. It's up to about $1,400 per household, up from about 1200 last year. So kind of proves what we've always known, that kids aren't cheap. And there's a lot of expenses, especially around that back-to-school time. Now, much of the increase this year is actually focused on spending on electronics. So you're talking laptops, tablets, calculators, all those things that you know kids need now in the, in the new age of, of school learning. Um, all that is coming back and, and adds up to a lot of cost. Nearly 70% of back-to-school shoppers, according to the National Retail Federation again, expect to buy electronics or other computer-related accessories this year. And again, that's especially true for college-age kids. Uh, spending on consumers, um, computers, and furnishings count for about 50% of the increase in cost from last year. So about half of that increase from 1200 up to 1400 is just due to more costs for many of these electronic items that we're buying as we, as we buy for students. You know, I would say the silver lining here is that really despite these kind of record high numbers and they kind of jump off the table here, the increase for most households with school-age kids is only about $25 from last year. So we've seen larger jumps in previous years when we had higher inflation for goods, you know, goods inflation really has cooled quite sharply uh, compared to where it was, uh, you know, in 2020, 2021, and even last year. Um, and this trend is showing up in the back-to-school costs as well. If you, you're looking deeper within the consumer price index, you know, the cost for books and school supplies in aggregate are actually down a little bit on a year-over-year basis. You know, inflation for apparel is still about 3%. Um, but that's much lower than the 6.6% peak that we had early last year. Uh, and so hopefully in aggregate, that means, yeah, you're going up a little bit of cost, but um, you know maybe a little less pain um, for many households with those back-to-school purchases than what we've seen in recent years. Though obviously this is still within the context of much higher cost more broadly. And so any thought of higher prices you know, certainly is, can be worrisome for many households, particularly those that have a lot of kid expenses in these early years of, of, of learning. Uh, one other trend that did show up this year in the data is that parents are shopping earlier and earlier for back-to-school. Uh, as of early July, more than half of back-to-school customers had moved up their shopping into early July, maybe from where they normally would have gone back in August or a little bit closer to the start of school time. You know, this is up from about 44% in 2019. It's kind of in line with a, a wider consumer trend from consumers that they're shopping earlier and earlier for these major spending events. Well, thank you, Ben. Let's, let's bring Kathy back into this then, because Kathy, we just heard Ben talk about how back-to-school spending started earlier this year in July. Did that show up in the data that you've seen? And also, more broadly, what are your expectations for consumer spending and real GDP growth over the third quarter? Yeah, I mean, the data, you know, for July, we saw categories that would 
represent back-to-school spending, apparel, and even online purchases increased quite a bit. Now, online also was probably helped by um, the the Amazon Prime Day in July, and also the fact that the weather and, and the heat has been so extreme, that could also encourage people to do more online purchases instead of going in person to the stores. Um, so we, we probably did see some evidence of that, it seems, to the back-to-school. But I would say, you know, in general, we're just seeing the consumer continue to be robust um, because income gains are very healthy and wage growth is strong. I think one of the debates going on right now, though, is, you know, are we still on track for a soft landing? Is a hard landing, meaning recession, still in the cards? Or could we have something which is called a no landing? And and the no landing means that exactly that, that the economy is not really slowing either way. It's 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 picking up and accelerating. And I, I think there's some merits to that. We'll, we'll obviously have to see um, the data as we go through the third quarter and enter into the fourth quarter. But I, I think the idea that we're um, seeing acceleration, again, is is a bit concerning because it, it takes us further away from the goals of the Federal Reserve. Um, now, soft landing could be possible, too, or maybe even if you don't have a landing, so to speak, economic growth remains strong. If we get this continued immaculate disinflation, that's a great outcome. It's, it's not one that we think is likely, but it's possible. Um, maybe, maybe you can construct the, the argument that, well, if inflation's slowing, that means um, consumers have more purchasing power, right? Because um, this is like what Ben was saying, the inflation rate this year is a lot slower than, than last year. And if wage growth has maintained at a, a steady pace, we're actually seeing for the first time real wage gains. So when nominal wages adjusted for inflation. So that could be like the positive picture, right? We're, we're seeing just consumers are benefiting from the slower inflation. The labor market is still running hot and, and they could just spend more and, and we don't necessarily have a problem. But the, the the other part of it, it would be that it's really hard to see this expansion sustained and have that type of outcome when you have the unemployment rate, you know, so very low. Uh, again, not not a bad thing to have a very fully employed uh, economy, but we're we're beyond full employment. And that's where you have the wage pressures. Um, even if it doesn't generate increased inflation, it could slow the pace of further in, improvement. And really, when you think about consumers, what has been the most painful for them and why consumer sentiment and confidence was so weak, even though the labor market was strong, is because they were facing higher prices and prices were rising at a very fast clip. So, you know, suffice to say that um, Federal Reserve officials and, and Fed Chairman Powell particularly thinks the worst outcome is if inflation persists beyond this current period. So they're not really looking at growth and concerned about that, but they're worried about what the net impact is on inflation. Well, it's good to hear that the economy still has some momentum. And you know, Ben, we just heard Kathy talk about the rise in wage gains and uh, the strength of consumer spending. But let's talk about this then. At what point do you think consumers are starting to overexert themselves or overextend themselves? You know, we're hearing about credit card debt rising sharply here in the U.S. Uh, in response to higher costs. So with that in mind, how concerned are you about the finances of households? Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, we, we've seen some pretty concerning numbers um, when you look in aggregate at the credit card situation in particular. You know, I think more broadly, you know, people are taking on good debt when it comes to house purchases and and car purchases, even at the higher rates. But, you know, according to the New York Fed, 
for the first time ever, we crossed $1 trillion in total credit card debt in the second quarter, and that's up more than 16% just over the past year. So clearly, there's been a strong response from, unfortunately, many households that you know, the, the cost in inflation has gone up more than their income has. And you still got to go to the store. You still got to drive. You, you still have to buy things. And they're putting it more and more on credit cards. Um, credit card debt per capita is also at record levels, uh, climbing over $3,600 in the second quarter. So not only are we seeing consumers using credit cards more, they're carrying more debt month to month, and obviously that builds over time and, and really starts to deteriorate the financial situations for many homes. Uh, you know, delinquency rates for credit cards are also rising. The 30-day delinquency rate rose to 7.2% in the second quarter. That's the highest reading since 2012. And you would look at the 30-day as kind of a leading indicator that people are starting to fall behind. And with that being at the highest level in more than a decade, certainly there are some concerning trends, you know, when you look at some of the details and the numbers, particularly on the credit card front. You know, not surprisingly, I think much of this has to do with inflation, where, or, you know, again, costs have outpaced income growth for some time. And eventually, even with a lot of the stimulus that was provided over the course of the COVID, you just run out of steam from a savings standpoint. And you just have to start dipping into credit. Um, but fortunately, inflation really has faded o- over the past year. Uh, in fact, and that's really helped to boost what we call real incomes or, you know, wages adjusted for inflation. You know, real personal income growth was positive in five of the six months over the first half of 2023, and wage gains have remained pretty robust into the third quarter. So this suggests that maybe you know many of those households that have fallen a little bit behind when you know food costs were up 10%, gasoline was up to $4 a gallon, you know, maybe you're starting to catch up a little bit because the income growth is maintained, um, but some of those cost increases have come down, and maybe that'll help to reduce some of the pressure that we see on many households over the next 6 to 12 months. You know, and finally, from a wider perspective, I would still say in aggregate, household balance sheets are in pretty good shape. Um, you know, strong asset appreciation, both for homes and, you know, for stock prices have really boosted household debt worth in recent years. You know, look at some of the debt service ratios for households. Those are in line with pre-COVID levels. They're up from where they were two or three years ago when they had fallen a lot over the course of the pandemic, but they're pretty much in line with pre-COVID levels and far lower than they were ahead of the great financial crisis. So, I mean, this indicates that most consumers are able to keep up with their mortgage and their car payments, and most families are not overextended uh, financially. You know, and that's the good news and one of the key reasons why, you know, if we do see a recession coming down the road, we don't expect it to cascade and become a really deep event because most people have some pretty good wherewithal on their on their savings front or on their asset front to withhold a little bit of cutback in income. Um, you know, of course, not every household owns a home and not every household has an investment portfolio and that's really unfortunately the part of the the economy that's probably most at risk if a downturn does occur and they're probably most likely the ones to be taking on the extra credit card debt in the current environment so there's a little bit of a bifurcated nature there again the aggregate numbers show things looking pretty good but we obviously know there is unfortunately a segment of the economy that does continue to fall behind and it kind of brings you back to trying to get inflation under control so as people can catch up well, thanks for that, Ben. I appreciate that. Now, Kathy, before we wrap up this podcast, let's discuss the impact of these spending trends on our odds for a recession. You know, with the revenge travel we saw over the summertime, Prime Day that you talked about earlier, the back-to-school purchases happening right now, 
and we're not too far away from the holiday spending you know, around Thanksgiving and Christmas time. So can consumers spend their way to a soft landing? Or do you think a recession is inevitable over the next year? Well, that is the big question right now. Um, so recession looks less likely this year. We had previously thought that um, around this time, especially after the summer, we would start to see some fatigue on the behalf of consumers, uh, the revenge spending, um, traveling, dining out, that this would start to peter out a bit. And we thought that inflation, even though it's trended lower, is still high. And with interest rates actually rising, this would be more of a, of a headwind for the consumer. Um, but, you know, it, it really does all come back to the labor market. And, and even though we've seen um, somewhat of a, a throttling back in new job gains, there's still, you know, last reading that we got um, for, for the month of July, we're still seeing over 180,000 new jobs and average hourly earnings were up four tenths on the month. So that combination creates a lot of aggregate income for for consumers so uh you know can they can the consumer stay strong enough to um kind of underwrite a a soft landing it's possible um it it looks more possible now than it did before but again there's i would feel better about the soft landing outcome if the current quarter consumer spending and gdp growth were more of a two percent handle not four percent or even some, you know, the Atlanta Fed, which does uh, an estimate of GDP, they've got a growth well over 5%. Um, so that, that to me, starts to sound like more of a no landing or acceleration. And what's going to happen is that could prompt the Fed to tighten more. And then it still is still a recipe for hard landing. And as Ben said earlier, we, we look more for a moderate, moderate or mild recession. Um, that will all depend on you know how the, the Fed's reaction function, and it really depends on inflation too. So you could also make the argument, and it's just, we just have to time will tell. But you could also make the argument we're in for a very hard landing if the Fed has to raise rates very aggressively. So it's, it's just quite a bit of uncertainty right now. But for us, we feel comfortable being cautious about the outlook for 2024. Again, it's hard to get an expansion continuing when you just don't have enough workers to keep fueling it. We, we have three and a half percent unemployment rate and the participation rate for the prime aged workers is already higher than it was pre-COVID. You know, so where are we going to get the workers to keep creating jobs and, and income? Thank you, Ben and Kathy. Thank you both for your comments today on consumers as students and teachers across the country return to school in the days ahead. So tune in next week as we look into regional employment data. We'll see which states are performing best and which ones are not performing as well in 2023. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information 
information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023 Nationwide.